So today I asked a few friends to help me out with the game of Would You Rather with the help of modern technology. Let's give it up for Cammie Cook. Cammie. Hi. Hi. Fun fact about Cammie, she said she's jealous of my hair. Would you rather have one eye or two noses? Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what I love? Cammy, look at Billy, he's scared. Uh, you are scaring a girl. Oh man. my gosh. What if, okay, if I ask for two noses, can I get one removed? Are you not happy with how God made you to two noses? No, but I don't want one eye, that's scary. So you want two noses? Uh, no, I don't want to. I don't want that either. Is it like one eye in the middle? You or? know what? I got a picture to help us out. Oh. Let's go ahead and see that picture. <laughs> oh, Liv. Oh, no. That's, Olivia. That's not good. That is a good look for you. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah, yeah think about it. Do I have like double smelling power? At, you yes, one hundred percent. You have double smelling power. Okay. But then, if you ever had to get tested for COVID, like would they double stick you? Oh, check it out. <laughs> That's horrible. Listen you would this. smell no. twice as much. Right, but really think bad. about it. Your lung, like you could take in more air. You could hit Mariah Carey notes. That's. No. No, you could. I'm, that doesn't me. increase lung capacity. It just Daniel, increases how much you Daniel, smell. Daniel, I was in choir. I know. <laughs> no. You have to pick. Fine. One eye or two noses. I pick two noses. One eye. I think one eye. I really think one eye. One eye. I don't know. Well, I want to welcome everybody here with us today, also those joining us at home, online, and also on TV. We're glad that you could be a part of our service. We are starting a brand new series called Would You Rather. Uh, this came about because a few years ago, my kids started playing this game all the time. I remember one time I was watching a chief football game on TV. It was so rare to see good football in Albuquerque area. Usually it's the Cowboys or something like that. But when the Chiefs are on, you know, it's like the whole city shuts down to see something so good as that. And they were coming in and they started to bother me. And they said, Dad, would you rather? And they would give me two options. And both options, you know, sounded absolutely terrible. But they really wanted to have my answer. And I just really wanted them to go away. And so we're going to talk about choices during this series. I thought we'd have a little fun playing a few games of Would You Rather. So play along at home uh, with your family. And those in the room, you play along with the pastor by raising your hand. I really would appreciate any help that you can possibly give me. Here's the big first question we're going to have for Would You Rather. Would you rather be covered in fur or be covered in scales? Think about that for a second. Would you rather be covered in fur or be covered in scales? How many would rather be covered in fur? Let me see your hands way up high. Oh, most of you. Most of you would rather be covered in fur. So you, you don't mind a hair sweater is what you're basically telling me. Uh, some of you already had a hair sweater, so it really didn't matter, did it? All right. Just out of curiosity, how many would do the scales? Anyone with the scales? Just a few of you would do the scales. My wife chose to do the scales because she's to swim really fast. She's really thinking it through, isn't she? All right, how about this one? Would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Now, this is a question for you, not for your spouse, okay? So it's very important. Just trying to help you out a little bit. All right, how many, how many would rather lose the ability to read? Anybody want to lose the ability to read? <laughs> you don't read, do you? So you don't really care. Like, I don't read anyway, so I might as well lose the ability. I don't use it, you know. What, what. How, how many would rather lose the ability to speak? Wow, a whole bunch of you. I'm a little surprised at that one. All right, let me give you one more, and this is just for the husbands in the room, okay? Here we go. Here's your big question, men. Uh, would you rather be married to a 10 with a bad personality or to a 6 
with an amazing personality. Now let's not answer too quickly. Because gentlemen, either way you answer that question, you're sleeping on the couch tonight. You understand that, right? How many would rather be, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not asking the question. Around this place, we're here about building up marriages, not tearing marriages down. Now, it's a cute little game, the would you rather game, right? I mean, it's a lot of fun for kids to play, and it's a good game because they got to understand how to make choices, and that choices have consequences, right? And so when a kid sits down, they start thinking about these things, that's a, that's a very good thing because your choices lead you to a destination, I mean, that's true. And that was pretty good. Y'all write that down. Your choices lead you to a destination. Who you are is the summation of the choices that you have made so far in your life. Now, let's not go overboard. Not every choice is that important, right? I mean, there are some choices that just aren't that big of a deal, like caramel popcorn or cheese popcorn, all right? Just out of curiosity, how many would choose caramel popcorn? Just put them way high, way high. Uh, okay, I just want to see who was going to heaven. <laughs> yes, you are correct, uh, doesn't really matter which one you choose because both are going to make you fat, right? That's the way that works. But there are some choices that we make every day that, that make a big impact, don't they? Uh, for example, in, in your married relationship, how you choose to handle your spouse, how you handle your marriage. I mean, if you love your spouse, you put their needs ahead of your own, you, you take care of your spouse and you serve your spouse and you say kind words to your spouse, the, the choices that you make are going to lead to a destination and the destination is going to be a wonderful marriage. But if you nag your spouse and complain to your spouse and you're sarcastic towards your spouse all the time and your spouse never can do anything good enough for you, then I guess that you're going to have a relationship where you're more two roommates than you are two soulmates and you probably will end up in a divorce. You see, your choices will lead you to a destination for good or for bad. Think, think about it in your relationship with God. If you've been around Sagebrush long enough to know, you know how to have a good, close, intimate relationship with the Lord. You have to choose it every single day. So you choose to read the Bible. You choose to pray. You choose to take the spiritual aspect of your life seriously. You leverage your time and your talent and your resources for the things of God and for the kingdom of God. And you have a ministry where you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you do those things, you get yourself in a small group, you find some accountability in your life, you're going to have a close relationship with God. It's not rocket science. The opposite is true as well. You blow the Bible off. Don't ever read that thing. Let dust collect on, on top of that. Don't, don't pray. Don't, don't pray big, hairy, audacious prayers. Just pray the same ritualistic, routine prayers you prayed every single day of your life with no heart and, and no meaning. Don't share your faith with anybody else. Don't get involved in a ministry. Don't serve in any way. Never take accountability or a small group seriously. Well, you'll end up being what I call a Christian atheist. It's someone who proclaims that they have a relationship with God, but in reality, they never got around to actually following him. They say they know him, but they don't know him in a deep and intimate way. You see, the choices lead to a destination. That's why the Bible says we need to be very careful how we choose. Right? Ephesians says, be very wise how you choose to live your life because the days are evil. One of my favorite verses is James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So how, how do we make sure that we're making the right choices? Well, the first thing is this, and this isn't that hard, this isn't that difficult to understand. We've we got to want what, what God wants for us. 
Now, here's the problem. You ready for the problem with this? Because it sounds so simple, doesn't it? When you decide that you want to do what God wants you to do with your life and with your choices that you make, understand you've just chosen the very hard path. You've chosen the more difficult path. And and the reason why we haven't become the people that we want to become, we haven't uh, become the husband or the wife or the son or the daughter or the employee or whatever it is, the reason we haven't is because as a human being, we tend to have this tendency to always go the path of least resistance. We always seem to want to go the easy way, but the easy way rarely gives us the kind of life that we actually want to live. Let let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, Let's talk to the men for a second. You come home from work and you're tired, you're exhausted. Maybe you're physically exhausted, maybe you're just mentally exhausted, but you're really tired. And, you know, the scientists have you know, put together these surveys and they found out that a man only speaks like 10,000 words a day and you've already spoke all 10,000 of your words before you come through the front door. Now, as you enter into your home, you know that you need to engage in your wife. You know that you need to engage in your kids. You need to act like you love them and really want to spend some time with them. You need to probably stand there in the kitchen, offer to help your wife any way possible, work with your kids on homework. You know the right things to do. I know the right things to do, but the right way is the hard way, especially when ESPN is calling your name, or that football game is going to be on in just a few minutes, and really all you want to do is you want to veg out, you don't want to talk to anybody, you, don't, you just want to get on your lazy boy recliner, or lay down on your couch, and you don't want to talk to anybody, and you don't want anybody to bother you, and why do we choose this way? Because it's the easy way. Some of you are in a dead-end job. You hate your job. And and you want a a better job. But to get a better job means you have to go back to school. And you have no desire to go back to school. Because if you go back to school, it means it's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some energy. It's going to cost you some effort. And it's easier just to complain. It's easier just to say, well, I guess this is as good as it's going to get because you don't want to do the hard work to get the dream job that God created you to be involved in so you can leverage it for his kingdom. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's like losing weight. Why doesn't everybody just lose weight? We say, I want to lose weight. Why don't we all just boop, lose 30, 40 pounds? Why don't we do that? You ever met somebody and every time you see them, they say, oh, I got I to lose some weight. I got, I got about 10 pounds right here. I got to lose some weight. And a month later, you see him and say, yeah, I, I, I need to lose about 15 pounds now. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Why, why don't they just lose the weight? Because losing weight's hard. And it's easier to go get another Twinkie. And did you know they have Twinkies now in a multitude of flavors? They're delicious. But think about that. If you really want to lose weight, what do you got to do? You got to download one of these fitness apps. You got to count calories. Who wants to count calories? I don't want to count calories. Then you got to go to the gym. And now the gyms are going to be closed. So you used to be able to go to the gym, but now you can't go to the gym. So you can make an excuse why you can't go to the gym because the gym's closed, right? But when you could go to the gym, you didn't want to go to the gym. But when the gyms are closed, you really want to go to the gym, right? <laughs> you see, you're with me on this, right? And then you get in there, and then there's the treadmill. You're like, oh, I really want to do the treadmill. So you go to the stair stepper. That's a mistake, okay? It's just safe for what it is because that machine was birthed from the very pits of hell itself. You understand that? I mean, Satan and his demons are like, what should we do? Stair stepper, yeah. It's just easier to sit down and eat another cookie. 
We have a tendency to take the easy way. You're, you're financially not doing well. And with this whole new round of shutdowns, it's scaring you to death. But you knew what you needed to do. You knew that you needed to, you know, honor God with a tithe. You, you, needed to, you needed to save 10%. You knew you needed to live on the other 80%. But you didn't do it. And why didn't you do it? It's because those shoes were so cute. And that purse, whoo, it matched the shoes. And you just had to have another outfit. You had to have another whatever it was. And men, you went to the Home Depot and you said, I got to have this tool. I got to have this tool. If I have this tool, then I'll cut down on home improvement costs because I'll do the home improvements myself. And sometimes that works out. But if I have a tool, I'm going to have to call someone in to fix what I just did. We, we get ourselves, you see, it's easier to spend. It's easier to run up the credit cards. It's easier to pay down the minimum payment than to really get yourself on a, on a budget. And say, I'm going to attack this debt. I'm not going to let it make me its slave any longer. Some of you are working really hard. I mean, you're working so hard, and you got projects over here and projects over there, and you got the, this to take care of and that. To, and you like making decisions. You like speed. You're making all kinds of decisions at the speed of sound. Just boom, 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 boom. But your soul is crying out for some time with the Lord. But you don't have time for that. And why don't you have time for it? Because you got things to do and people to see and decisions to make. And boom, 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 boom. Let's just face it. Speed is a lot more attractive than slowing down, opening up the word of God, and getting honest about the condition of your soul. And so many times we, we don't choose the right way. There, there's a book that came out a few, a few months ago called Atomic Habits. Maybe you've heard of it. This is what the author writes. As a general rule... This is so good. The more immediate pleasure we get from an action, the more strongly we should question whether it aligns with our long-term goals over the kind of person that we want to become. See, we like the quick fix. We, we like the easy path. We like the easy way. And we don't think about the consequences, the long-term results of the choices that we're making. And many times, the easy way, the easy path, long-term doesn't make us the person that God wants us to be. It doesn't give us the goal that we actually wanted to go after. You see, I think we know the right thing to do. We just have a hard time going that direction because it's so hard. It's so difficult. A couple went to go see their pastor. And they were having marital problems. So the pastor said he would meet with them. He sat down with them. They sat across from his desk. He said, well, let me, let me start off by just finding out a few things about you guys. And, and they said, okay. And they said, are you, he, pastor said, are you guys Christians? They said, yes, we're, we're Christians. He said, so you both have you know, trusted Jesus Christ to be the leader and the forgiver of your life. They said, absolutely we have. He said, okay, that's good. And he said, and, and you, you believe that the word of God, the Bible, is the word of God. And they both said, well, a, 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 absolutely we believe that the Bible is the word of God. He said, that's good. He said, so both of you are willing to do whatever the Bible says that you should do in regards to your marriage. And rather than them saying, yes, they said, what do you mean? Why did they pause? Well, they paused because they don't want to do what the Bible says. Listen, he knows. If you've been to church for very long and you've heard one message on marriage, men, you know how you're supposed to be treating your wife. You know you're supposed to love them as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for it. You're supposed to be willing to die for your wife, but not just die for your wife. You're also supposed to be living for your wife. She doesn't care if you'll die for her. She wants to know if you'll live for her. 
Because the chances of you dying for her aren't very great, but you can live for her each and every day. You can put her needs ahead of your own. You can treat her as the princess that God designed her to be treated. But we don't do it. We know what the Bible says. We just choose to go another way. And ladies, if you've been to church very long, you know that you're supposed to honor and respect your husband. And you're not supposed to nag him and gripe and moan and groan and complain and make him feel like nothing he ever does is ever good enough. That you're supposed to put his needs ahead of your own. That you're supposed to allow him to lead the family, spiritually speaking, and be a great support for him. doesn't mean that you're inferior. It's just a different role that we have in the married relationship. You know that. This couple knew that, but the wife doesn't want to treat her husband that way. Husband doesn't want to treat his wife that way. They know what they're supposed to do. But they just won't do it. So what do we do? We take the easy path, the sarcastic path. The selfish path. But it rarely ends up where we want it to be. It rarely ends up with the payoff that we were hoping that it would somehow somehow bring to us. And, and so because we keep choosing the easy path rather than the hard one, because we're, we're not doing a good job with the choices we make on a daily basis, we end up with regret. We, we look back on our life and we say, well, why, why did I open another credit card? Why didn't I work harder on my marriage? Why didn't I work harder at that job? Why didn't I wait to get married till we could answer some more questions and really get... Why did I rush this? And you end up with regret. One second you thought you were in heaven over the decision you made, but then the next second you find that you're in hell. Mike Howerton, he tells the story when he was a kid. Mike's a, a pastor, and he tells the story when he was a kid. He was in a mud football game. I loved playing mud football when I was a kid. He's out there playing mud football by this apartment complex. He said the conditions were absolutely perfect. In fact, one kid scooted from one side. He ran and put, fell down to the ground in his chest, and he was like Superman flying all the way from one side of the field over to the other side of the field. And Mike looked at his friends and said, I think we're in heaven right now. I mean, they'd never seen mud respond this way before. It just slipped, sliding every which different direction. This was going to be the greatest mud football game they'd ever had. When the friend got up, they noticed that he had something on his shoulder. And so he walked over to his friend to find out what was on his shoulder. Now, this was by an apartment complex. There had just been a big flood that had taken place. And I guess when there's a heavy rain by this apartment complex, the sewage backs up. And it was then that Mike realized the smell was pretty pungent in the air. And what was on his friend's shoulder was toilet paper. (laughs) And Mike started to scream, we're playing in poop water. We're playing in poop water. He said, one minute I thought I was in heaven. But the next minute I knew I was in hell. And we all know what that feels like, don't we? So let's, let's not make the choice, this, this thing, this series, that difficult. The, the first thing that you've got to settle in your heart of hearts is do you want what God wants? Are you willing to take the hard path? When you know the right thing that you're supposed to do, will you go and do it even though it's harder and more difficult, even though nobody else wants to go that direction? One of my favorite verses of Scripture, Psalm 40, verse 8. You ought to memorize it this week. You ought to pray it this week. It says this, My God, I want to do what you want. You ever prayed a prayer like that? Because for me, uh, no, not often. 
See, my first two years of being a Christian, I spent my time praying to God when I did pray, uh, telling him what I wanted. Trying to figure out a way to twist his arm, trying to, trying to figure out a way to get him to do my will. Want him to you know, take my will for his will, and then I would get what I wanted when I wanted to get it. I was busy about telling God what I wanted and what I wanted him to do. God doesn't speak to people like that. God doesn't speak to people who say, hey, Lord, I want what you want, but what do you want? Because I'm not sure if I want, it, I want what you want, because I want what I want, and I want you to kind of take what I want and you know, go with that direction instead. God, God doesn't talk to people who are trying to twist his arm. God doesn't talk to people who are trying to manipulate him. <laughs> God talks to people who say, God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, however you want it, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to face, I want what you want. Because I know at the end of the day, even though it's the harder path, even though it's the more difficult path, I know at the end of the day that you're going to make me like you. And I'm going to get to the end of my life with fewer regrets because I followed you even into the difficult path, even into the difficult way. Friends, when you have choices to make and you have hundreds of them to make every single day, and not just vocational choices or relationship choices, you've got attitude choices that you have to make. And boy, I tell you what, after the governor came on this past week, we got lots of attitude choices to make right now, don't we? We going to be like Jesus or we going to be like somebody else? I'm thinking about being somebody else, to be honest with you. I digress, let me move on. When you have a hard decision, you don't know what to do, friends. There's some questions that you need to slow down and ask yourself. Now, this is your photo opportunity of the service, okay? So if you're at home, take a picture of the TV in just a second. I'm going to give you seven questions. You need to have these seven questions. I'm sorry these seven questions didn't make it in the weekly program on the Sagebrush app. We will probably put them on social media this next week. But if you want to take a picture of what I'm about to share with you, I'll smile, okay? Seven questions. You've got to slow down when you have a choice, a decision to make, because you know what? You're going to go the easy way. I'm going to go the easy way. If I don't have some things to think about, some questions to ask myself, I'm going to mess myself up. So you say, what are these great questions? Well, these have helped me an awful lot throughout the course of my life. Number one is this. Do I honestly desire to know God's will? Do I want this? Do I want what God wants for my life? I mean, when I pray that, do I really mean that? And will I go wherever God wants me to go? How about question number two? Have I looked at the Bible to see what God has to say about this? You've got to move, friends. You've got to move from your opinion or Uncle Bob's opinion to what God's Word says. God's Word is our true north. God's Word is the thing that guides us. And in the back of your Bible, there's a thing called a concordance. You don't know what decision you need to make? Go open the back of your Bible, look up the word that you're thinking about making a decision on, and find the wisdom of God in that decision. How about this one? Have I sincerely prayed and asked God what I should do? Now about the next one. Will this help me to become more like Christ? Because that's the goal, right? To become more and more like Jesus. Will doing this make me a stronger witness for Christ? Will doing this bring God greater glory? And Do I have a peace about this? God, God never responds to us in confusion. He's a God of order, and so he's going to give you a peace about the decision that you're making. It's a peace that passes all understanding. But you need to understand something. If you choose to go God's way, 
It's going to be the difficult way. It's going to be the hard way. It's going to be the gut-wrenching way. What, what did Jesus say? He said, wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the road that leads us to eternal life. But the narrow road, the road less traveled, that's the road that Jesus was on, wasn't he? Talk about a hard decision. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's just hours away from being crucified. He knows what's ahead. He's praying so intensely that sweat drops of blood are pouring down from his brow. And there's a great battle that's taking place. And the battle isn't about the physical abuse that he's about to endure. Oh, Jesus knows he's going to be beaten beyond recognition. He knows he's going to be mocked. He's going to be spit upon. He knows that. He knows his beard's going to be ripped from his face. He knows they're going to punch him again and again and again. They're going to put a crown of thorns upon his head. They're going to take a staff and they're going to hit him over the head again and again and again and again. I mean, my goodness, they beat him so bad that as he walks to the place of the skull, Golgotha, he can't even hold his cross anymore. Falls down under the weight of it. But that's not why he's praying so intensely that sweat drops of blood are coming from his brow. He knows that he's the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He knows all of mankind's sins are going to be placed upon him. You think you're depressed? You think you're in despair? You think the days ahead are going to be dark and difficult? Imagine all the sin of mankind placed upon you. Every evil act we've ever done or have ever thought of doing, being placed upon Jesus. And so there's a battle that's going on. And he, and he asks this of the Lord. He says, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Hey, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it. Is there an easier way? Because I'm not, I'm not certain these people are worth it. I mean, are we worth it? Hypocrites at best. I mean, we are so inconsistent. And from Jesus' vantage point, are we really worth dying for? We've broken all of our promises. We've wounded each other. We've wounded the heart of God more times we could count. We've said things to God and we've made promises to him. We didn't keep our word. Oh, my goodness. Are we really worth it? He says, hey, if there's another way, let's go another way. Is there an easier way? Let's go an easier way. But then Jesus said this. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Two reasons uh, Jesus endured it. One, he wanted to make his dad proud because he wanted, wanted to put a smile on his face. And the second reason was because you were worth it. And I know it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense to me either. But something, God saw something in us that was worth giving his son for. And I've never understood it and I'll never get over it, but I'm so very grateful for it. Yeah, see, sometimes you gotta take the narrow road. You gotta take the road less traveled. You gotta take the hard path. And it's the hard path that will lead you to the future that you want. 
It'll lead you to the dream that God has placed inside of you. But all these easy decisions, all these lazy ways, all these ways where we put it off because it's more convenient to do that, all those ways are going to lead us down a path that's going to lead us to destruction. So the question I have for you, and what we're going to be talking about during this series is, is which would you rather? Would you rather keep going the easy way or you want to go the hard way? And we're going to look at different attitudes that we have and where both of those paths are going to take us along the way. And I hope that you'll tune in every single week. Because the hard way, the narrow way, is God's way. You say, Todd, I'm scared. I'm not really good with perseverance. <laughs> when things come against me, when there's obstacles that come my way, I, I, I seem to falter. I seem to fade. I, I seem to keep going back to the same old wide path. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come in your life, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is impossible with God. Stop living like you're a pauper, like you have no power. You have the power of God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. And he can and will do exceedingly abundantly more than anything you've ever dreamed or imagined. And not only that, but you have a great cloud of witnesses that's watching you and cheering you on. Hebrews chapter 12 says, all the great cloud of witnesses, all the heroes of our faith, all the heroines of our faith are there cheering us on, believing the best in us. So here's what you should be praying this next week. Not my will, but your will be done. Because God, I'm telling you right now, I'll go the easy way. I'll go the path of least resistance. See, some of you this next week, that sin's going to raise its ugly head again. That one sin that you just can't seem to overcome. That one sin that you just keep going back to again and again and again. And it's leaving you with more pain and more regret. No, you pray, not my will be done, but your will be done. Some of you, your marriages, you've allowed them to just become cold and be distant. You're no longer doing the hard work. You're waiting for the other person to make the first move. You've become selfish and self-absorbed. No more. You know how you're supposed to treat your spouse. Not my will be done. But Lord, your will be done in and through my life. Some of you have been hurt by somebody else, and you don't want to forgive them. You don't want to release that pain. You want to hold a grudge, and you want to hold it over them. God says you've forgiven the same way you've been forgiven. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Some of you need to get baptized. After this service, uh, we're baptizing a whole bunch of folks. Uh, this weekend, we have almost 100 people getting baptized on all of our different campuses. Isn't that great? So great. Because we've gone online and because we've gone on TV, we're reaching places that we've never reached before. And we had a family that uh, drove all the way up from uh, Deming to get baptized tonight. That's pretty stinking cool. Pretty stinking cool. <laughs> this virus ain't going to stop us. And this virus ain't going to shut us down. Some of you have drifted from God. And you know you need to crack open that Bible again. And you know you need to get on your knees. You need to pray. You need to seek his face. But that's hard. 
And it means slowing down. It means getting honest with yourself about where you're really at. And the reason you're so frustrated and the reason you feel like your world is spinning around you is because you don't have your true north anymore. You're not relying upon him. You're still relying upon yourself. Oh, friends, not your will be done, but God's will be done. Let me tell you a little secret. The battle for you and me isn't between Satan's will and God's will. The battle will always be between God's will and your will. So which will it be for you? I choose the narrow road. I choose the path least traveled. Why? Because that's the road Jesus walked. And if that road's good enough for him, it's good enough for me too. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we're going to be faced with lots of decisions this next week. Decisions to glorify you or to uh, not. <laughs> decisions to love our spouse, to love our neighbor, to love our, our friends or to not. Decisions to be the parent that you want us to be or to be a less version of that. Decisions in our job, decisions with our attitude. Lord, I pray that we would rather go the narrow way, the hard way, the difficult way, that we would follow you like we've never followed you before. And that the mantra of our heart this next week would be, not my will be done, but your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with our today and we trust you with our tomorrow. Help us to take the path least traveled. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.